When defending a biblical doctrine or practice, have you ever been accused of not caring for the lost? I've written a column in the latest Issues Etc. journal titled Playing the Mission Card. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Jeremy Lamont recounts his slow and sometimes painful path out of Mormonism to the Lutheran Confession. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. In our listener email this week, we've got some feedback on witnessing to LGBTQ people. A question about the two goats in the Old Testament. One was a sacrifice. The other one's called the scapegoat. Why the second goat? And then some feedback on missing podcast episodes. It's time to go through listener email on the Issues Etc. comment line. Our email address, talkback at issuesetc.org. And the comment line, 618-223-8382. Roman leads off. I was listening to your show as always, and this title, Witnessing to LGBTQ, sounded really interesting to me, but rather than witnessing to LGBTQ, this episode should be called An Apology for LGBTQ. In the first part, stated this, Pastor explains how we are all humans. Interesting point, but a woke person would use the same argument. Then he goes on with the story about being invited to homosexual couples for dinner and that he also invited those homosexuals to his place. But after that, he said that the only solution for homosexuals people is celibacy. Then how was he invited by couples? This episode is like Christian wokeism. No, Jesus doesn't like what they do, but the wrath of God stays on them unless they turn to him. Where is this pastor leading his sheep? Concludes Roman. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the feedback, Roman. Well, Dr. Babaro was talking about his I think it was 12 years in San Diego. He happened to be called to a congregation that was kind of in the LGBTQ district of that city. And just he's just describing his interactions with LGBTQ people. I happen to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there would be a call to repentance. There was also an attempt to remain cordial with his neighbors. Obviously, that didn't always work out. If you listen carefully, he talked about several incidents of vandalism and threats against himself and his family. So it wasn't always cordial, but he's trying to live at peace with everyone and then also leave an opportunity for the God's word of both law and gospel to be spoken. Now, as to your, he said, he made the point that we're all human beings, which a self-evident truth. But just because the woke use an argument, if it's true, we don't abandon it. Okay, so if you find someone who's woke and they make a, a, whatever argument they're making, and the argument is actually true, you don't say, well, I, I, I'm not going to make that argument anymore. I'm not going to defend that truth anymore. Just because the woke make a point, like we're all human, what does a Christian say there? No, we're not. No, the Christian says, you're right. We are all human. And that means, as Dr. Bombaro made, it's abundantly clear in that interview that was in no way an apology for LGBTQ thinking. The fact that we're all human beings, we're all fallen and subject to sin. And he says that's the, one of the biggest obstacles to witnessing to LGBTQ people is that they don't want to admit that they are human, like everyone else, subject to sin. And what they are doing may in fact be a sin. I know, Jeff, I know no, you've noticed it, that in reaction to a lot of 
wokeism, Christians are just abandoning the truth. Or they're saying, well, if the woke say it, then it must be false, must be categorically false, so we can't say it. If someone who's woke says we're all humans, the Christian answer is, you're right. And that means we're all fallen in sin, and what you are doing is a sin. Or you might ask a good question, like a cocal question. You might say, where did you get that idea that we're all human? What is your point? An opportunity to open the door for the proclamation of both law and gospel. We don't abandon truth just because our opponents happen to agree with us on a certain point. And I think we've kind of, many Christians have entered this, and I, I agree, wokest philosophy is dangerous, it's harmful, it harms those who hold to it and those who don't hold to it. It has terrible consequences. And it should in no way be supported by any Christian. But our response cannot be to just say the opposite. If the woke says the sky is blue, we can agree. Or just say, oh, you're just woke. Right. Just dismissing it. This is why we talk so much about this on issues, et cetera, because we're trying to help our listeners not merely dismiss people, but understand their viewpoint as wrong and as harmful as it is so that they can actually engage with it. Will listen to the same show and Will said as a repentant ex-homosexual, I give this interview a big thumbs up. I think Will heard the same interview. Yes, he did. I think we talked about this before, Jeff. I think, and pastors would do well to realize this. We're all now living with this kind of hair trigger response where the smallest hint, or maybe even not a hint, of, say, a woke terminology gets all the alarm bells ringing. And we assume that whoever is speaking must be thoroughly bought into the philosophy or must have compromised or must be secretly working with some sort of woke cabal out there. We need to stop and slow down and actually exercise the good reason that God has given us. Remember, he's given us our reason and senses, not abandon reason, but to actually think and maybe ask a person when they say they use some sort of word that's common in woke philosophy to say, what do you mean by that? Before you conclude, without even engaging their ideas, without even engaging your own reason, before you conclude that they're woke, you might want to ask them a few questions. Now, if it proves to be that they are, that now you have the basis for saying, I reject your argument. But we can't go, go around with, on a hair trigger all the time thinking that, uh-oh, if I, I, I went to have dinner with my in-laws and my mother-in-law used the word triggered, she's woke. All right, it's over. Can't go there anymore. Maybe she doesn't know what the term means. Maybe she's heard people, maybe she's heard the young people use it and thought she might use it at the, at the dinner table, and she doesn't know that it has associations with radical ideologies in our society. Give her a chance. Especially mother-in-laws. You got to give mother-in-laws a chance, right? Yes. Glenn writes, why don't all the segments of the previous day's show slash podcast show up in the podcast feed? Specifically, I listened to the segment of yesterday's interview with Terry Mattingly at the top of the show, 
And listener slash comment email was mentioned as being, I believe, the last segment of the show, but it's not showing up in the podcast feed on your webpage. I've noticed this in the past. It seems to happen intermittently with segments. The Pop Christianity segment on Ken Copeland never showed up in the podcast feed. I had to pull that one directly from the website, not the end of the world, but certainly inconvenient. Thanks for all you do, and I look forward for a possible explanation or fix. Thanks for listening, Glenn. Well, what happened yesterday was we plugged live on the air listener comment line to follow. I believe it was supposed to follow Terry. We plugged that at the top of the show. Well, then during the course of that interview with Terry, Laura Echeverria agreed to do an interview. We had attempted to get Carol Tobias, president of National Rights Life on, and she was on a plane. Before the show, we be- found that she could do it. But, and, and then we were just kind of hanging in limbo. It was a holding pattern. And no, we planned on doing email comment line. Well, we, yeah, we yeah. did plan on doing email comment line, but then Laura Echeverria agreed, not you know, kind of at the last minute after the show began, that she could come in and do the interview that Carol was going to do. And so we substituted her for email comment line. People would be surprised how often. What did I say, Craig? I said, if people only know what happens behind the scenes. I think if that's yeah, that's that's said on a daily basis around here, isn't it? <laughs> yes, exactly. So, I've said this many times. Radio is a very last minute kind of an affair. People will say, well, can't you tell us who you're going to be talking to next week? Well, maybe one or two people are regular segments that are scheduled, but no, because we don't know who we're going to be talking to next week. There are times when we go into a two hour show, not knowing who or whether we're going to be talking to a certain guest. We think we might be able to, maybe we will, maybe we won't. And so it's it. You kind of learn to live with kind of the last minute, and Jeff, that's a large part of Jeff's job is to make sure that we have guests when the microphone is on. We have guests, and so it's not unusual that I would plug something or fail to plug something at the beginning of the show. You might also have asked why did you talk to Laura Echeverria because you didn't say at the beginning of the show that she was going to be on, and that's because at that point we didn't know exactly if she's going to be on, and if she wasn't going to be on, we were going to be doing comment line. Comment line is usually filler. Filler. It's not bad, but it's it's still filler between expert guests. Mark, Middle Tennessee. In Leviticus 6, there are two goats. One is sacrifice for forgiveness of the people's sins, and I recognize this as a prefiguring of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice. But the other goat is burdened with the sins of the people as well and isn't killed in sacrifice but instead released into the wilderness. It seems redundant since the sacrificial goat has already died for sins. Also not being killed, how can the scapegoat be a Christ figure? Does the scapegoat serve a different purpose than the sacrifice goat? Finally, God commands this be done forever, but it ended with Jesus' sacrifice. How can I reconcile the end of something God said should go on forever? Issues Etc. is a fantastic resource. And the comment line and email segments are great fun and appreciated greatly. Well, thank you for listening, especially for email and comment line. Mark in Middle Tennessee. We're not told explicitly, either in the institution of that right or elsewhere in Scripture, the exact relationship of those two goats. Yes, you're right. The first one is sacrificed for the sins of the people. The second one, the high priest Aaron was supposed to place his hand on the goat's head and enumerate the sins of the people, and then that goat was to be let go in the wilderness. Now, 
essentially the goats being set free, bearing the sins of the people. And while it does seem redundant, I think it's intended to show the people what that right is all about. That right is about separating the people from their sins. So there are two things that are happening there. One, the sins are being atoned for through the blood of the first goat. And then the people, their sins are being sent away from them, symbolically. I don't think we necessarily say that that goat, because the only thing the scripture says about, it says that the blood of bulls and goats never was ever really able to make atonement. They were all in anticipation. They had their forgiving power drawn from the cross of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't say anything about the scapegoat. So we've come to that term scapegoat that now means something very different (laughs) than it did to the Old Testament people of God. They saw in it forgiveness, and we see in that term blame, like the goat's getting blamed for something he didn't do. That's what scapegoat means now, being blamed for something you didn't do. I don't think it's the blame. I don't think they're blaming the goat. So we don't want to read our modern definition of scapegoat back into that Old Testament right. They're not blaming the goat. They're just placing the sins on the goat and saying, shoo, little goat. He doesn't go out to die in the wilderness. He probably just goes out to hang out in the wilderness and do what goats do. If he survives, he survives. He's, he, goats are quite capable of surviving in wilderness. Remember, it's not a desert. It's just a wilderness. It's a wild place. And goats are kind of designed to live in wild places. So he's probably not going to die at all. And it's simply, a, I think it's a picture of God separating the people's sins from them. He's, he's sending their sins as far away as he can, symbolically. That's the most we can say. That seems to be the kind of the obvious interpretation there. And since scripture doesn't really explain the scapegoat to us, I think that's about the best bet you can make. Oh, 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 forever. One more time. He asks about uh, this being done forever. It is being done forever. Both of these actions, sending our sins away from us and paying the price for our sins, is an eternal thing. Not in the form of this rite that was commanded the Old Testament people to do with two goats, but in the form of its fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So there are a lot of things like the Passover. The Passover is commanded to be done. He says, this is an eternal ordinance to you. That means you do it every year for the rest of your lives and then for all time and eternity. It finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So now Paul can say Christ is our Passover. So it is still being fulfilled in the once-for-all sacrifice of Christ. Both of these rites, the Passover and the two goats. When defending a biblical doctrine or practice, have you ever been accused of not caring for the lost? I've written a column in the latest issues, etc. journal titled Playing the Mission Card. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Jeremy Lamont recounts his slow and sometimes painful path out of Mormonism to the Lutheran Confession. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Does this sound like your church budget process at the end of the year? You get last year's budget and go through with a committee line by line, maybe what we should spend next year. Maybe you have a prayer. But where's the word of God in this process? 
When do the people hear what the small catechism says about giving and why we do it? Contact us at LCMS Stewardship so that we can help you fix this process, put the Word of God first, and put your congregation on a good fitting. LCMS.org slash stewardship. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc. Your Aunt Mabel's church banners are from the 60s. They were quite something in the day, especially the psychedelic bell-bottoms. But now the colours have faded, the tassels fell off years ago, and the hand-stitched letters are skew. Come on over to adcrucem.com and see our beautiful, theologically correct, Christ-focused church banners. We can customise size and colour to meet your church's requirements. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin on this Thursday afternoon, March the 2nd. We're going through listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. On the topic of scheduling last-minute guests, tomorrow we have nothing scheduled. Chris Rosebro informed me he's not available for this week in Pop Christianity, so we have a blank slate of two hours of nothing. And since we're using up all the listener email in the comments today, there goes the filler. that's not really an option. So Jeff will be feverishly racking his brain and going through his contact list. And by tomorrow, we will have two hours of issues, et cetera. Maybe not by the time we go on the air, but we'll have two hours of issues, et cetera. You know what Craig would like? Lord Feichner would like two hours of encores, right, Craig? That would be fantastic. Just two hours. Two of hours of and something that's already repeated. been edited. Something, yeah, something that that <laughs> doesn't require any polishing. Something that's already got good spots in it. I could suggest we just take tomorrow off. That would <laughs> that would kind hey, of solve the problem. That would be fan- that that would work because there's no chapel in the morning. We don't have to worry about chapel either. So yes, if you're wondering where morning chapel from Kramer Chapel from the campus of Concordia Theological Seminary has been there on a two week hiatus, so they'll be back. What, a week from this coming Monday, Craig? Is that right? Uh, The 13th. Yes, that's correct. The 13th. So there you go. Susan writes, this is Susan in Washington. I've listened to your show for about a decade. Well, thank you very much. And have to thank you for the proper Lutheran teaching that I should have gotten from my church and family. Thanks to you, I found a Lutheran husband instead of looking to convert or settle. Now we have a three-month-old. First of many, God willing. For the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, I heard Todd mention something about a singles event. Was I just hearing things? I've looked for more information but haven't found anything. I wonder because we have multiple singles in our church, and I would like to suggest this event to them. Thanks for listening in Washington. Susan. We do have a singles event. It's going to be held after the conference is over. I'm not sure about the location. Is it going to be there on the campus? It'll be on campus. It'll be there on campus. After the closing service, 
concludes, which usually gets done, depending on how we're going to schedule things, it usually gets done right around dinner time. After that, we will have a singles event. You need to be 21 to attend, I believe, because I think we are going to be serving some adult beverages. And um, I think it's still being hosted by, what's the local congregation there? No. It isn't. It is not. No, we're, we are hosting it. That's it's going to be on site, and we're hosting it right. this year. So that's the only details. Those are the only details we have. Now I'm heading up there middle of the month for a board of regents meeting at Concordia University of Chicago. So hopefully, I have more information on the single event later this month. And and it's just something that people have requested of us, and then many of the conference attendees would do it on their own, and and they asked, "Can you incorporate this into?" The conference itself, and we thought it over, and it sounded like a really good idea. And the reason I like it is because we don't have to drive back on Saturday night from the conference. We will just stay another night, go to the event, relax, and then come home Sunday morning. But oh, now, is this just for conference attendees, or is this anyone can come to? Um, this is this was just, something just conference before. attendees. Yeah. Okay, there you go. All right. It's not like a citywide singles event. We're not opening it to the public. So. If you're a single and you're interested, find out more about the 2023 issues, et cetera, making the case conference Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more at issuesetc.org or give Deaconess Lynn Fredrickson a call 618-223-8385. I know for sure that Bill Barr will not be speaking this year. He won't? No, he won't. Okay. However... Mark and Molly Hemingway, if th- their their Q&A alone is worth the $140 registration fee, which, by the way, includes three meals. They'll be there. President Matt Harrison making the case for the Lutheran option. We just confirmed this week Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione will be making the case for speaking truth to power. That's going to be great. And then we have Peter Bender making the case for a dying man's consolation and Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee making the case against cancel culture. That's the 2023 issues, et cetera, making the case conference Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago issues, etc.org or 618-223-8385. We are already halfway filled up. Our limit is 500 and attendance is limited to 500. Hi, this is San Antonio, Texas. I want to thank you and commend you for having Dr. Cooper on discussing the philosophy of Michel Foucault and also for his comments on the uh, new edition of the Large Catechism with Annotations. I find his comments insightful, careful, uh, and very thoughtful, and was surprised to hear some of your listeners objecting to him. Continue with those kind of guests. He's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. He is thoughtful, he is insightful, and he's careful. And those, when we say expert guests, that's a kind of one term that encompasses a lot of different attributes about our guests. Not just their expertise, but their ability to teach it. Someone could be an expert in the subject without being able to communicate that in a clear way to non-experts. So I think there are some that come to mind off the top of my head and I'm just, I'm not trying to exclude anybody, but Pastor Brian Wolf Miller, he's an expert in Lutheran theology and he's able to communicate it very clearly to non-experts. I'm thinking about uh, Dr. Stephen Parks. He has the same kind of gift where he can take very complex issues of history and he can explain them in a very simple way. And I would put uh, Jordan Cooper in the same category. 
you can't teach it. It's simply a gift that some people have. You could call it teaching. You could, but to be able to take all the massive knowledge that you've got rolling around up in your head, and Jordan Cooper has a lot of knowledge rolling around his head. He's very well and widely read. When he takes up a subject, he takes up the whole subject. He's like Dr. John Warwick Montgomery. He reads everything on the subject that he can possibly absorb, and then he synthesizes it in a way that people who haven't read all those books can understand. So that that makes for an excellent teacher. That's why we keep having him on. You know, the two interviews we did on the new Luther's Large Catechism with annotations and contemporary applications, I thought one of the strongest points was he was very pastoral and he did his level best senator that he is to keep the eighth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, which the meaning according to Martin Luther is explaining things in the kindest way. I thought he was a great example for all of us. Right. So while still calling balls and strikes, that's a hard thing to do to call balls and strikes, but to do it in a way that does not demean the person that you may be criticized, criticizing their theology. Hi, Todd, Jeff, Craig, this is Jeremy from Lee's Summit. Just calling about Lutheran public radio and the hymns that you play. There was a half-hour stretch where you played Abide With Me, Lord the I Love, and I just forget the other one. But three hymns that my parents taught me, that I've taught to my kids, that I've sung many, 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 many times. And as I get older, I get a little more emotional. And so it was just about a half hour where I'd start to cry and then I'd compose myself and then I'd start to cry again. So I appreciate that. Crying is okay. And it was just nice to listen to those hymns. And again, LPR is something that I really value, and it's just nice to listen to during the course of the day. So thank you, and keep it up. Bye. Jeremy, thank you very much, and thanks for listening. Uh, let me just tell you what, if you don't know what he's talking about, he's talking about Lutheran Public Radio, sacred music for the world. Uh, we follow the course of the church here. It's 24-7. It's continuous sacred music. Uh, our goals there are to have good sacred music and also to have music that you can listen to and you can understand the words and provide for everybody. The confluence of those three hymns, purely accidental. We don't control that. That's controlled by a, a program that selects from playlists. So that was purely accidental. But I'm glad that it was able to help you in that way. And uh, you can go to LutheranPublicRadio.org or you can go and get the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app and you can listen to Sacred Music for the World 24-7. And right now we're playing Sacred Music for the season of Lent, and then, of course, Easter Sunday, sacred music for the great 50 days of Easter. Got anything? Nothing else? Got to no, the bottom of the pile? No, sir. You got to make it for another, you got to fill for about 15 seconds for 15 the bump music seconds. for our terrestrial radio affiliates. <laughs> Can I do it? Dr. Gene Edward Vieth is going to join us on the other side of the break. He has recently found some very interesting history about Dietrich Bonhoeffer and what was called the Black Orchestra. That's what the Nazis called Bonhoeffer and others' conspiracy to overthrow Adolf Hitler. We'll find out why Bonhoeffer opposed Hitler and Nazism with him next.
Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Do you know the fastest growing religious group in the United States? Is it Roman Catholics? Nope. It's not Protestants either. Rather, it's those who mark none on religion's preference surveys. They don't belong to any particular denomination. They still believe in some sort of spiritual being and reality, but they don't believe and don't claim adherence to any particular religious group. The March issue of The Lutheran Witness picks up the question of the nuns. To learn more, visit witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.